What's going on, vintage lunchbox collectors? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Wright. How's it been going, man? You know what? I can't complain. I mean, I can. Obviously, yeah, I mean, I can. you should. Please do. I guess it depends on, you know, the time of day and a lot of things. Sure. And nothing changes if I complain. So kind of on a certain level, what's the point? Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what was your weekend like? Uh, well, so Friday night we played um, Kappa Sigma. I saw that. Kappa Sigma House in Chapel Hill. And um, um, you know what? It was a freaking blast. I I got to say, I think um, – now having a couple of data points, I believe that what's going on is that frat guys are clear that everyone's watching them really closely mm-hmm. and that they really do not want to be on the news. Well, some of them are. The rest of them are on the news. The ones that are not on the news really don't want to get on the news. And yeah. um, I just, I've played much rowdier bars than the frat parties I've played. These guys were very respectful of us and very appreciative of us and, um, Man, we had a bumping crowd the whole night long. I, I say that it took a little bit for him to ease in. Interesting. You know, we, we started out with some some fairly you know um, meant to be attractive to the dance floor kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. in the first little bit, like not much was going on. And then, kind of once that broke, we had a pounded dance floor the whole night long. And the other thing that keeps surprising me—it surprised me at that other frat party we did about a year ago too. Um, he put on the guy who booked us put on a playlist a set list off of his something phone I guess yeah um, while we were on break and you know what the first song he played was was it Mr Brightside no although that was on the playlist it was four or five songs in the first song he played was Country Roads by John Denver yeah that that is kind of a basic white dude frat boy song though well and I, I only true. say that I only say that as as coming from a basic white boy frat member myself so well here's here's what startled me the whole party when that song started the whole party stopped and screamed and then shouted along with the whole tune yeah it's that's that's again that's just one of those southern fraternity tunes it's just it it tells me that i might need to cover it yeah it's like that one and like dixieland delight and uh yeah, thank God I'm a country boy. He had a couple of um, Elvis tunes yeah. in his set list that everybody was bouncing along to as well. And they did have Mr. Brightside on that set list. And then um, when we came to it in <laughs> you know, a dozen or tunes into our second set, I actually said on Mike, all right, I saw, I, you know, I saw you guys dancing around to this on our break, but I don't care. We're playing it again. And, uh, and we did. We did Mr. Brightside um, for them again, and they were appreciative of it. And um, it, it went over just as hard as I expected. So Great. Yeah, yeah, it was really a great show. Really a great show. We we put in some new stuff. The um, Michael Jackson medley went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything was perfect, but because you know it never is. But boy, overall, just really, really a fun show. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Um, now you you had something good happen. Yeah. So we um, we did uh, we played Friday night as well. We were playing in Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, was this this gig has been on the books for almost six months at this point. Uh, it was the Georgia Science Teachers Association. They were throwing an 80s prom to wrap up um, their, I think, week-long conference. Mm. Um, and they pulled out all the stops. You know, they 
you know, I, I had posted pictures on members only members only's <laughs> Instagram account of the, uh, the layout. Um, it was in this gorgeous, um, downtown convention center they have there. Um, they pulled out all the stops with catering and they had a signature drink and all these eighties themed cupcakes. And, um, it, it was really, you know, it was laid out to be a really fantastic evening. The, um, the thing that I was really the most impressed by besides the staff and everybody that we dealt with, um, was that the ballrooms were all, um, acoustically treated. Huh? Wow. So when we got there, I mean, we set up our uh, we set up our rig, and um, it was like the the rooms were really dead, um, which typically those kinds of places are not set up that way. And right. um, you know, we, our our front of house guy, you know, put in we put in like half a song. He's like, "We're fine." <laughs> like it was already dialed in. He was like, "This is one of the smoothest situations ever." That's good. Yeah, there's no there's no rigging to do. It's all good. Yeah. the The other funny thing about this particular uh, gig is that the um, they didn't have a green room for us as much as they had a green ballroom for us. Hmm. So we had the adjacent ballroom as our dressing room. Very nice. Um, so, and they actually were, they were considerate enough to lay pipe and drape so that there was like a wardrobe area so people could change and stuff. So we weren't just, you know, taking your pants off in a big <laughs> empty room. But yeah. The, the only, I guess the only disappointing part of it was um, it was not, a mandatory event. It was kind of like the way that they were just capping off the evening. So attendance was kind of light, but everybody mm. that was there was super enthusiastic and, and had a really good time. So, um, as good as it would have felt to have played for, you know, a packed room, we played to a, you know, very enthusiastic crowd, which, you know, is, is just yeah, as good. So just as good. Absolutely. And we had a really nice hotel rooms, uh, right across the river in Phoenix city, city, Alabama, and, uh, had a nice breakfast and, Headed back, um, and then I had my uh, I had a church gig on Sunday morning. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, it went really well. The um, th- there's a bit of a crossover because the guy who was supposed to be our A two um, engineer for Friday night uh, was also supposed to play drums with me on Sunday morning, uh, but he got the flu and did Ooh. neither. So um, unfortunately, uh, we, we, we were able to make it make it work. Um, we got another A two to um, come in last minute and did a great job, and then uh, met another drummer Sunday morning, and um, things went great. It's just again, it's a different set of muscles uh, to exercise, and you know, went up there and played some Jesus jams, and you know, sounded great because it always does. It's good. So yeah, it's good. And now it's it is good. now Monday. We're recording it on is. the front end of the of the week because uh, it's been very busy, and this week is crazy for me at least. I don't know about yeah. you. Um, mine's um, crazy for different reasons. My my wife has a very busy week at work, so that, that kind of puts me more in uh, domesticated home world. I gotcha. So that's where I'm gotcha. at. Gotcha. Dadding, dadding it up super yep. hard, big time. You know what? Let me um, let me share one other thing about these um, this frat gig. It was the first. Yep. So there were some there were some there were some new tech items okay. in this in this show. So first of all, it was the first show with the new Soundcraft mixer. Okay. And it did great. Good. It did great. Um, um there is you know, all of these mixers that have onboard Wi Fi, the Wi Fi is questionable. Yes. And the Soundcraft is supposedly better than the Behringer's. The Behringer's is awful. Yes. There's just Agreed. if you have an X Air, don't even begin to think you could use its own Wi Fi to connect to it in real, you know, gig situations. Cause you can't, um, 
one of these days I'll tell the story. It's one of my gigs from Hack um, of our very first show with that thing where I did not hate, where I learned that lesson. Um, so I got there and I had a bunch of backup methods for getting into the system and um, and it did fine until right at the end where the Wi-Fi finally did drop. And uh, But the effect was that I, I muted the system by just turning it off on the switch on the front of it. Yep. Um, which worked. Um, so there was that. Uh, really happy with how that performed and how that sounded. Everything was really great there. Then um, my drummer has this new thing, and if I was a if I was a more of a professional um, podcaster, I would have come prepared about this to say what it is. But it's a pickup and mic system for drums that is one mic that sits on the top of the kick drum, and then a piezo pickup that sits on the snare, mm-hmm. and then it's got like a digital brain. Like it's an electronic kit, but it's not. Um, that's doing EQing and mixing and 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 some effects. He can actually turn on like effects to come out of this thing that are triggered by the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but I end up with one TS jack cable coming from him that is the entire drum mix coming out of this one mic, and it sounded great. And that's that Yamaha it, unit, isn't it? I would love to tell you that it is. I don't. I, know I think it is. It, yeah. I think they were. They're primarily designed for like, you know, streaming and and YouTubing type things. But it, it would also translate really well in a band situation where um, the drums are the only live instrument. Yep. So. Yep. And yeah, it did great. It did great those. at that. It did great at that. And and why we needed it to do great at that is because we needed the drums. I didn't put hardly any of the drums in the mains. Mm-hmm. Um, but we needed them in the in-ears because the drummer and bassist were in the in-ears for the first time wow. ever to play live. And I will tell you, um, I have never heard those two be as much in sync. I've, it, they were playing as a unit at a level that um, I wouldn't have said there was any more to go on that. Mm-hmm. But they really were just in such lockstep. It was just so, so good. And, and um, we're sold. We're totally sold. You know, to, And part of the thing... Tony, my drummer, is this unbelievably great drummer. He's mm-hmm. a Grammy Grammy recognized artist. He he played on an album that was uh, got the first cut for Grammy nomination. Yep, very very skilled dude. Um, my one challenge with him is he's not a light player. He's yeah. he, he's a hard hitter, and in some environments that's tough. Um, but if you take away the big old you know one by fourteen monitor that sits next to him all the time and put it in his ears. Suddenly, the dude has dynamics. Yeah, he, like he he doesn't have to play over top of this roaring monitor. He can actually feel the kit in ways that he never did before. He mm-hmm. he was talking about that. Like it's a, it's a whole different game for him. So um, big big ups for in ears. We should really just all be on them. Yeah, I mean, it, people who who don't use them don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um. But and and it is kind of like a hard sell because it it is a, a a big upfront investment, but it makes you a better musician. Period. Well, I'll tell you, both of those guys are on wired in ears. They're not wireless. Mm-hmm. Um, they they they're clear what they would have to buy to pick up a wireless transmission from out of my one transmitter. You know, if we were to do that, we'd need more transmitters, yeah. more mixes. But um, they're both using that Behringer two channel, you know, headphone amp. Yeah, the P one thing. P1, yeah. Um, and it's fine. It's doing fine. And, and both of them are using a mono mix right now. I could give them stereos. I have enough oxes for it on the new thing. But um, 
But so they got into it pretty cheap. They got yeah. into it pretty cheap. They both have sort of low middle range uh, monitor, you know, earbuds, and um, and this Behringer thing that that you know, the <laughs> bassist in particular, he likes to walk around, but now he's got a bass cable and a monitor cable. So it's a lot to drag around. He's probably his his walking around days are done for the for the time being. Sure. Um, but. Boy, does it just change the game. It does. It just changes the game completely. Now, the, the, I, here's, here's where I'm a hypocrite. The crowd energy at this show was so hot. Mm-hmm. The room was so juicy. I just couldn't bring myself to, to isolate myself from it. So I played most of the night with my, my earbuds out mm. um, just because I wanted to be in the room and connected to it. And like, I just couldn't bring myself to plug up. Sure. Um, so that still is kind of something that I'm, I'm – unclear how I'm going to work out, you know, that the isolation and the smallness of it that happens in your ears is, um, tough to square with big room energy. Yeah. So, uh, so there's that to work on. Yeah. Uh, we were having this conversation in the green room on Sunday, uh, cause the, the worship leader gal was talking about how she, she pulled one out and, um, the drummer's like, man, it's just like, you have to turn it up so much louder in that one ear. It's so bad for your hearing. It's true. And I said, yeah, but we're singers. We're, we, we need, <laughs> mm. we need that validation. Yeah. We're so fragile. It's true. That's really true. That's really what it boils really down true. to. And he's like, and, I never pull mine on. I was like, yeah, well, you know, your kit's right in front of you. So. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking about getting a couple of, um. Ambient mics, just a couple of mm-hmm. you know mics to sit on the stage and kind of point out into the audience, just so I can hear what the room sounds like a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't know. I think I I think I know what units I'd get, and even even you know how I would organize that. The other thing that I set up, a lot of people who are s- s- starting to think about their whole band being on in ears, um, a thing that we that I realized pretty quick is that. Um, my practice of just turning around to the other guys and shouting, we're skipping this next one, let's shoot over this song, and let's pick this one up, and yep. just calling audibles live in the air is just not a thing you can do when everybody's got their ears plugged nope. and what they're hearing is the mix. Um, so I bought... The MD mic. Anyway. Yeah, I, I bought a mic that is um, cheap. It's a Behringer SM58 clone. that, um, and, and I bought a pedal that will mute it unless you're standing on it. It's a momentary mm-hmm. switch mute pedal. Now, is that the that cough just, drop? Uh, it's not a cough drop. This is the same, same idea. It's, sure. um, I'll, I'll send you a link to it to put in the show notes. It's, um, it was about 40 bucks and it's small. Um, but, but it is, it's, it, the concept is like a cough drop. It's the, it's got a switch that can either be Mute on press or live on press. Yeah. And that's what I would do is I'd leave it muted most of the time and you'd walk over to the mic and you'd step on this switch and then the mic would be live, but it would only be routed to the monitors. It wouldn't be routed at the mains. Um, and that would be how we would communicate internally. And, and um, so you, you need that if everybody's got their ears plugged, right? You can't be hollering stuff to each other. Yeah, that we um, we also implement an MD mic, and um, it can be very useful. Uh, we used it a lot um, this past week because we we were supposed to do two sets with a break and ended up not doing that. So we ended up taking that second set and kind of cannibalizing it to get through the rest of our obligated time frame. And um, so yeah, those are those are very handy. And I'm you can, familiar with the term MD mic. What's what's that stand for? Music director. 
Oh, got it. I was calling it a talkback, which I know isn't quite accurate. That's supposed to be like from the, from the sound guy. Yeah. Um, interesting. MD mic. Got it. Because, yeah, if you're, the, you're directing the music, you're the music director. Sure, of course. You're calling the, calling the audibles. Calling the shots. I got it. Well, good stuff. Um, we were having, we've been having issues with our playback. Um, laptop giving, giving me some trouble, so I'm trying to hmm. streamline. Uh, w- what really needs to happen is, is that I've got personal stuff on that machine, and I've got to offload it, but I need to have a place to put these personal files, and I, I don't at the moment, because what it really needs is just a, I need to wipe it and mm-hmm. start over with that, that right. hard drive. Uh, but in the meantime, I've also started um, toying with the idea of using an iPad for, um, for track playback. You know what? I am playing back tracks off of, um, off of an iPad using Band Helper. Okay. And, uh, and it works perfectly. It's good. really good. We, um, we're piloting a program called Show One, which okay. is um, just a, a backtrack playback deal. It's actually optimized for phones, uh, but I put it on an iPad and I gave it to our drummer. I was like, "Run this, put this thing through the ringer. Um, let me know what you think. Cool. So, you know, we've got a little bit of downtime between now and our next show. I'm probably going to try and learn some new tunes. In the meantime, we did pull out She Blind Me with Science and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was uh, fun. The client was super thrilled. Good. So... Did I tell you I did that acoustic at my um, 80s trivia the other you week? You did say that. Yeah. I strongly recommend nobody try that acoustic. It didn't work at all. Yeah, and there's a lot of dead air in that spot, in that, in that deal. So you said that you had a little goodie for, uh, for our listeners. I do. I do. I do. So a couple weeks ago uh, in our last episode, I talked about how we got a standing – monthly gig with a bar in town. And, um, and I mentioned that when I walked into that bar to see that manager and thank her for that and high five about that, I noticed she was wearing one of our buttons on the strap of her overalls. Um, and it's really, I will tell you, it's really something having a, an incredibly cute bar manager wearing your button on her overall strap. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good moment. Also, um, one of our fridge magnets was slapped up on the metal wall behind the taps. So um, we were branded in a couple of ways there. But she did say one of the things that, because um, we were there maybe two months before that and met her and handed her a bunch of these things, including, you know, those tchotchkes. And um, she said, like, I love that you guys came by. I could kind of get a sense of who you are from how we talked. And I loved all the doodads you left with me. It was really cool. So those things make a difference. Those things really do make a difference. Where I got those uh, pins is from a vendor called Bob's Angry Pins. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob's Angry Pins. And um, as far as I can tell, it's a, it's a low overhead kind of operation. Bob doesn't have a website. He's got a Facebook page, Bob's Angry Pins. And in fact, I, had my, I did my whole transaction with him over Facebook Messenger and, and – um, Venmo. I paid him over Venmo, and we talked about it over Messenger. And he sent me proofs over Messenger. Um, I ended up doing two different designs with him, and um, his going rate, his standard rate, is amazing. You know, remember when Adam, you said the going price for um, Picks of Destiny, and we were all like, "What? Yeah, it's so cheap." Well, so he'll his basic thing, his basic deal is twenty dollars for a hundred pins. Nice, all right. And um, and there I can vouch. They're really good quality. They're really the design is well represented, and and um, they are, I think, an inch in diameter, inch and a half in diameter. So they're, they're they're the size you want. They're not big and hard to you know convince someone to wear. Yeah. Um, 
Um, just, just very, very nice. And um, because we love you, our beloved listeners, <laughs> uh, I reached out to Bob's Angry Pins and I organized for us a discount code. Nice. And so here it is. If you contact them uh, on Facebook, go to Facebook and find Bob's Angry Pins and present the code ANGRYBOB. All angry word, Bob. All caps. Angry Bob. And, uh, and mention that you came from us. Mention that you came from the Cover Band Confidential Podcast. What you'll get is 10% off any order. Nice. So not only is it just freaking cheap to begin with, it's even cheaper. 10% off even that. Fantastic. So I will probably, um, I'll probably take them up on that because um, I just bought a jean jacket. Oh, you need pins. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I've got my Atlanta Ghostbusters pin on there already and then one from this this place in Philadelphia that I really like. Sweet. But um, yeah, you got to put some stuff on there. So Sweet, 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 sweet. And you know, I asked him to... Um, um, uh, or I, or I will, I mean, I had this, so I had like a shower thought this morning after talking to him about this yesterday. Um, we should be checking in with these vendors that we're giving, you know, some airtime to, and we're yeah. not charging them. We're just, we, we're the people we like and that have done right for us and that we want to help our listeners out to connect with and give them a little bit of a break on it. Um, I mean, that's essentially the podcast advertising format is just that we're not charging for it. Yeah. And they're not paying us for it. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, what we really should do, because like I'm now suddenly a product manager mm-hmm. in my career, and I'm something sort of like a product guy. We should be following up with these guys and just seeing whether their presence, their you know, the shout out we give and the discount code they offer gives them a bump in sales, and that would be the evidence we would take out to sell ourselves as something that could be properly, uh, you know, monetized. Nice. We should do that. So. I'll uh, I'll make sure that I would like to know that from him if you could just casually keep, you know. Yes. An, an eye out for orders that come from our listeners. Angry Bob. Angry Bob. Angry Bob's pibs. The, the, pibs. I said pibs. <laughs> I meant to say pins. Anyway, they're uh, they're great. And, um, and and I will say this too. The turnaround was fast. I think I had my pins in like a week. Nice. And um, yeah, just everything, everything about them was easy to deal with and fast and priced right and just killer. So Cool. Yeah. Go be an Angry Bob customer. All right. So moving along, um, we've got a little bit of fan mail. I uh, got this uh, lovely email. Um, it was actually on Valentine's Day. Uh, we nice. had a little bit of downtime uh, due to, well, Valentine's Day. Uh, we just <laughs> couldn't get our schedules lined up. and um, So this one came in, and I I went ahead and gave him a little bit of a, my two cents, but I wanted to kind of bring it up because I think there are other people who could um, – who could use this conversation and, um, you know, these ideas. So I'll go ahead and read it real quick. Do it. Let's see. So this says, uh, okay, this may mainly pertain to Adam, but Dan's input is always valued. I'm, <laughs> I'm currently <laughs> without a band, frowny face, but I have hope. Aww. So that's good. So I was considering putting together a band that has a specific class, parentheses, i.e. 80s music or 90s music, instead of the rock or country bands we mainly have around here. My mm-hmm. question is, how do you get people on board with mem- how did you get people on board with members only and the direction of that band? I find when I mention the concept or idea of something like that um, has potential, I run into that will never work or that sounds like fun, but I doubt it would go anywhere. I feel like my area is saturated with musicians who are happy and content playing the local bars for the same hundred bucks a man they've been paying since well ever. Mm -hmm. You would think it would be easy to find people 
interested in at least playing the local casinos. As always, you guys are doing an excellent job. Keep it up. Your friend, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Yes. Thank you very much, Jay. Um, so I went ahead and kind of responded in kind with, you know, my perspective on it, but I'd, I'd love to hear what, what you have to, uh, what you, what you think about that. So the, the, the concept of being in a, in a market that doesn't really have a, you know, a decade or a class band or a kind of a genre band, uh, out there and looking to start one and having a hard time, um, finding traction. What, what do you think? I think that's a massive opportunity. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, I think that I think that um, if in uh, first of all, I'd be willing to bet that in your market those things exist and you're just not aware of them. Yep. I bet they're out there. I bet they're doing killer private party business and you just don't know it. But um, and, and and so that that means there's going to be competition for this idea. I mean, almost inevitably. Yeah. Um, but if there's really not, that means there's a void in the market that you can fill and it won't take a lot to fill it. And, um, you know, you just want to – it's 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 a really cool thing to be able to look at a marketplace and identify the gaps as opportunity – as business opportunities. Um so I think I think um, <laughs> part of the you know I bang the drum of brand a lot. It's yep. my main. This, I'm not a drummer, so this is this is the main drum that I bang. Um, part of what a brand can do is shape a market. Mm-hmm. You actually can can be a presence in the market in a way that alters what the market even knows it wants. Yes, and if you you know if you are a really killer. 80s or 90s party band, um, and uh, you know, I think those two 80s and 90s are actually very different brands, very different genres. They market in different ways. They, um, as you've discovered, Adam, like yeah, you, I mean, tr- you tried to blend them and it didn't go, right? Right. Yeah, th- there are specific markets from. I don't think they're quite as disconnected as some people think, but I definitely think that. While there is an overlap, you do need to approach them differently. You do. You, do. you completely do. I think the, um, you know, the the just from a graphic design perspective, just to take one wrinkle, right? Um, there's a a design look that says '80s yep. and a design look that says '90s, and they're not the same thing. Nope. Um. So, um, I think the 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 opportunity is really strong for you to set a direction. Um, but you have to have the confidence in it to say, you know, look, uh, so-and-so who thinks it won't happen, you know, thinks it won't catch fire or whatever. Like, I got that you don't see it. That's fine. I'm staying the course inside my vision of it. I am going to, you know, I I know that it's working in other markets. You know, here's this dude, Adam, who it's making it work in this, you know, yeah, big and competitive market. Frankly, yes. Atlanta's a tough market for bands. Um, there's just a lot of people playing there, um, and um, I think it. I think it takes. It, it'll take some stick to itiveness to to make it go in the face of that kind of skepticism. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't shy away. I think you're. I think you're 
headed down you know exactly the right path and especially if it really is the case that you're unique in your market i i right. bet i bet you're not really but if you are man what an opportunity yeah so here's here was my here's what i wrote um I said, decade bands, as you put it, are easy to market, easy to cultivate content, and tend to do very well. If you're meeting resistance in your market, that isn't a bad thing. It means that you will immediately set yourself apart from the rest of the bands in the area. Mm-hmm. If you are having trouble convincing musicians to hop on board, you can take more of the band leader approach, which is what I did, and merely hire them as contractors to fill out your dates until willing permanent members show up. Yep. Um, I did say the only thing you may have trouble with is that not everybody wants an 80s band for every event. Um, you know, we've branched out and have three imprints of the band that do different things. Uh, when I started members only Atlanta was not hurting for another eighties band. There were a bunch out there already, but they were either not good or just cheesy. Lots of costumes with crappy wigs and bad tracks or too old slash out of shape to sell the vibe that I was interested in. I wanted to do an eighties band that was cool, a contemporary take on the classic aesthetic and providing a high energy party while maintaining good musicianship. I went through probably a dozen musicians to get to the lineup I met today. Only one guy besides me is still doing it from the original project. It is going to be a challenge. It will be worth it. I hope this puts yeah. some wind in your sails. You know, don't hesitate to yeah. reach out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it exactly. But yeah, I mean, it it takes bold thinking to you know come up with viable projects because anybody can get together and and play you know, the same songs that everybody else is playing. It takes no bravery. It takes no courage. It takes very little. Right. You just get in a room right. and you start cranking them out. Yep. Um, but what you'll find is, is that you won't be able to work if you, you know, if you don't have something that's unique that differentiates you from your competition. So, um, if you, you know, are, I, th- I think there's a, I think there's a limit at least. I think, um, you know, when we were first starting out, I got some gigs by saying, by dropping the name of some bands that are prominent in the area who were inspirations to us. Mm-hmm. I was able to say, you know, we, we, um, we aspire to be the Radio Narcs and Jukebox Revolver. And some people who were bookers, who'd been bookers for a while, were like, ow. Like, saying that gave them something to latch on to and understand what we wanted to be. Yeah. And we did book some gigs because I connected us with that sort of understanding of what's out there. But there's going to be a ceiling on that. You know, you'll, you'll get to a certain place, but, but without being your own unique thing, um, there's only so much you can sell that way. So, Well, yeah, you're, you're kind of immediately putting a cap on your right. potential. Exactly. Because if your goal is to only get as big as this local band, then you know, that's, that's as high as you can go. Sure. Well, and, and the two that I mentioned just now are both really prominent, play big parties and big privates and weddings, and it was like a good thing to aspire to. But, sure. But, but <laughs> the, the downside of that quick, like, how to understand us is by way of these other bands that are in the market is that we're always the wannabes yeah. to that, and we're never our own thing doing our own. You know, once we broke into sort of like we're, we're more crowd-engaged than any other band on the market – there may be bands that are built around sort of virtuoso players. Um, and it's not like we're slouches musically, but our thing is you'll never find a more fun band than us. Yeah. And once we were able to sort of brand that way, we had a story to tell that was our own and wasn't connected to, oh, these other guys who were like. Right. 
And, you know, when you're getting, when you're just getting started, you do kind of have to, you know, you may have to borrow a persona because you haven't fleshed yours out yet. Completely, completely. So, you know, take, you know, take this information, you know, take what you can glean from it and kind of put it together. Um, But I would, I would say go for it. You know, don't be discouraged because people don't understand it. Um, You know, history is littered with people who thought boldly and, you know, succeeded. Um, And there's plenty of people who didn't swing for the fences and didn't get anywhere because they didn't have to. Yeah, essentially you're an entrepreneur. Yep. Right? So if you you look at the people who (laughs) turn up on Shark Tank or whatever, um, they're people trying something new. Yeah. People doing something different. So – you know that's that's um, here you are doing the American dream. So let her rip. Yeah, I mean, in 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 this sense, you know, bands are a very um, community based product. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to innovate. Really, <laughs> find something that's working somewhere else and yeah. copy it. Yes, put your own spin on it, or kind of take three different things that kind of work and and smush them together and just see how it works in your market. Um, you know, nothing that we are doing now has never been done before. If that makes sense. We're just kind of pulling inspiration. And I mean, we're pulling it from all sorts of different places. It's not just other bands, you know, um, being kind of students of pop culture, you know, we're pulling ideas from all over the place. And, you know, one thing that I really found, you know, I had always kind of pictured myself as a musician and a songwriter and a performer and that those were the things that I needed to express in order to feel like I was being creative. But the process of building these brands and building these bands and, as, and, and cultivating these products has been just as fulfilling yep. creatively because, you know, just like a song, like, you know... Th- I took something that didn't exist and I made it and, you know, people know about it. Yep. And, you know, I, I ran the drummer that played this week. I was like, he played with a corporate group and he goes, well, who do you play for? I said, well, I own members only. And he goes, Oh yeah, I know you guys. And I had heard about yeah. you through this guy and this guy, and these guys used to play with you and da, 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 da. And I mean, that's cool. That's, yes. that, that is satisfying and fulfilling yes. to do. So yes, yes. Go for it. Don't be afraid. Go for it. Or be, afraid, be afraid and do it anyway. Well, that's really the thing. <laughs> that's yeah. actually really the thing. Yeah. Be afraid and go anyway. Yeah. So I had big plans about covering a particular topic this week, but we're 40 <laughs> minutes roughly into yeah, this conversation. Well, I think we did well. I think we and did well. Uh, I think we can, we can go ahead and uh, table that for another week. So on the horizon, a couple of things. Uh, Dan and I have been talking about doing an episode specifically for singers. Um, you know, I feel like we have tiptoed around the fact that we are both lead vocalists that we, we tend to want to talk about guitar because we probably fancy ourselves more guitar players than singers. We're, you know, some, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of flip flop back and forth on whether I'm a guitar player that sings or a singer that plays guitar. Right. Um, I feel like my job in members is being a singer that plays guitar, but I've definitely been on the other side of that. And um, funny enough, I've 
I, I picked up a gig in the middle of this conversation um, where I will be playing guitar. <laughs> Literally, it, I, nice. like tw- 15 minutes into this recording, I got a text message. So awesome. April's shaping up to be pretty busy, um, but not just with members. I've got a, a bunch of stuff on the horizon. So lots of new stuff to learn. But anyway, um, definitely want to talk about that um, because singers have a very unique position and unique challenges in, um, in playing in bands. Um, it's probably the one of the only positions I, I always feel like singers are like pitchers. There are two kind of main components to what you do. And one of them has to do with, you know, practice and repetition and technique. And then the other part is this weird psychological, mm-hmm. you know, in your head kind of component. And that's how you can have, you know, pitchers who have, who can, you know, throw down the, throw down the middle, you know, hundreds of times and then get into a game and get psyched out and just, you know, start throwing logs. So, um, I think it's worth talking about and I think there's definitely uh, plenty of meat, uh, to discuss that, but I think we should table that for a time episode. The other piece of that, that when, you know, when we get into it, I'll, I'll, um, have something to say. Um, I feel like I've had a cold all winter long. All winter long. And I've been singing sick for, God, months. And so there's like stuff to say about how to sing. So, you know, I put up a video from the frat party on Friday and I ended up taking it down the next morning because when I listened back to it, I really didn't like my vocal performance. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a real challenge singing sick. Yeah. So. And, it, and it, it, again, it's another one of those positions that like if, if you've got the flu, you can play oh. guitar. Oh yeah, I've done it. Sure. I've I've done plenty of shows with fevers, where you know I could barely stand, but I could I could you know get the job done, yeah. even if the rest of it was miserable. Um, but there's just certain things that like singers can and can't do. You know when your body, and I hate it sounds so pretentious, but your body is the instrument, and so that's no, true. It's true. It, it is true. Um, and it's the only one you've got. You can't, you know, you can't get a white yeah, one. I take two guitars to every gig. Right. There is no backup. <laughs> yeah. And if there is, you know, people are mad about it. We'll talk about right. that too. Right, 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 right. So yeah. Um, so coming soon on that yes, one. Yes. Singers, um, actually, if you have questions or things that you would like for us to discuss, mm, um, any singers out there. Go ahead and shoot us an email at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com or um, direct message us on either the um, Cover Band Confidential Facebook page or the Cover Band Confidential Facebook group. Uh, we'd love to kind of start those conversations. It gives us a little more to work with, and then you, you, know, you get your questions answered. I mean, basically, anybody has, who has ever messaged us has gotten a response in an episode like we are True. not picky whatsoever like yeah. we yeah well and, we, and, and we're not overwhelmed by them no <laughs> no they come in quite um quite uh conveniently in most yes. cases yes. um so yes be on the lookout for the singer episode um i've got a uh, an interview that i'm in the process of putting together um with a gentleman who is a guitar player for a fairly prominent um cover band kind of in the midwest uh, who has done a bunch of cool stuff and has you know pro gear endorsements and is a, a really interesting guy and I, I think that nice. conversation will be a lot of fun so be cool. on the lookout for that one in the coming weeks and um, you know the, uh, the 
at least my projects are kind of March is a little light. So I'll be, we'll be spending a lot of time working on new material, uh, adding new songs and I'll be shedding for all these upcoming gigs. So there'll be plenty of stuff to talk about, even if, um, you know, performances are a bit light. Sure. Well, good stuff. There you go. So we will go ahead and uh, call it for this week. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 40-something. I don't know where we are. Yeah, probably. Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs> <laughs>